This is S.G. Brown, author of Breathers, Faded, and Lucky Bastard, and you are listening to Booked. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, this is a very special episode for us here at Booked. It is uh, episode number 100. <sighs> that's yeah, something. That's, what's, uh, the gift? what's the gift for 100? Um, there is none. They don't, they don't do that. What? That's crazy. Because you're not supposed to have a 100th anniversary. Oh, I believe that you are incorrect, sir. Are you looking at? Are you googling it? I'm googling it. This goes up to seventy-five, eighty-five, one hundred. Oh, ready? Traditional gift, nothing. Modern gift, ten k diamond. Oh, did you get the? Did you? Did you buy the ten carat diamond? I did not buy the ten carat diamond. I will tell you what I considered buying you and might still buy you as a gift, though. That's pretty close. Um, buy a diamond club book. Oh. Oh wow! I I blown away. The tears just aren't coming. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense to anybody right now, but it might in a little bit. Wow. Anyway, happy happy one hundredth episode, dude! Happy one hundredth. It's uh, I don't even know what to say about the fact that we've done ninety nine episodes before this. It's uh, it's a little crazy, and in a fairly short period of time. I mean, we're we're what a year and four months, a little over that now. Yeah, we're packing them in. God damn, that's a lot of behind-the-scenes shit you had to do while I was doing nothing but playing video games. Yeah, I didn't do, I didn't pile up some stats like we did with the uh, the end of the year one, but I know that we've had near, nearly sixty different people guest star guest appear on the show. Oh, that's including like all the readings and stuff, right? It's including the readings, uh, interviews, and guest hosting. Um, yeah. But sixty individuals, like, and then we've had people on several times. So Sean Ferguson, Caleb Ross, a bunch of those people have been on multiple times. David Keaton, even I think, has been on twice, three times. Yeah, that's God, that's weird. Yeah. So, but still, sixty guests. That's kind of nuts. Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> we said we weren't going to do a ton of reminiscing on this episode and stuff. So uh, I think we might maybe leave it at that. We'll see what comes up a little later, but. Do stay tuned because for people who listened to the last couple of episodes, we said we had something big to announce, and we're going to do that a little later on in this 100th episode. That's right. So, 60, I just want to go one more time with the 60 guests. If you do that, mm-hmm. that's like 120 nipples have guests appeared on our show. <laughs> <sighs> we talking about that author that called us that uh, <laughs> with the Skype video on? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. <laughs> who was yeah. not. Wearing a shirt. Yeah, that well, yeah. that's so we definitely saw at least two. Exactly, at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, I uh, just had to go a little weird on you. I know it's hundred episodes. Like the rules are all gone. We can just say whatever we want. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, we're big time now at a hundred episodes. As a matter of fact, this book review podcast is so uh, doing whatever they want. We decided we weren't reviewing anything this week. No reviews. No. I may have a little something to talk about later, but yeah, no official reviews this week. 
But that doesn't mean we don't have some awesome content. We've got a lot of uh, little quirky news bits to talk about. And like Livia said, our very big announcement that's coming later in the episode, which is definitely worth waiting for and definitely going to be the last thing we talk about. Yes. Just before Rob mentions 60 guests again. I'm done with that. What's the first thing on our agenda, sir? What would you like to talk about? All right. So cruising around on the interwebs ran across an article on uh, The Guardian about Forbes' richest authors list for 2012. Um, I bumped across this, and these are always interesting. And, and, you know, it's like one of those things where you kind of know what's coming, but you, you know, you want to look anyway. And so I looked at the list. They got, like, the top, like, 12 or 15 or whatever actually just listed out and the, the amount of money they made in a year. So I figured we'd run through and talk about, you know, some of these people. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're not looking at the list like right the second, are you? Of course not. All right. Hey, how many of those top whatever do you think we've reviewed on the show? Um, at the most, one. Yeah, not even that. None. Okay. <laughs> Zero of the top. This is two, four, six. Yeah, like 16. Yeah, nothing. Nothing from us. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no love. We did not support the pockets of any of these people this year. Okay. Uh, any... I'm gonna I'm gonna tell what the first one is, mm-hmm. or do you want to go lowest to high? Nah, let's, high let's low start it. Yeah, high to low. So the first, the top, the top of the bill, the top build one, of course, and it's no surprise. James Patterson at ninety four million dollars. You know that's that's uh it's pretty impressive. I'm glad that our uh, Patterson watches have been able to to, to drive some money his way. Yeah, I mean, he would have been easily ninety-three million without us. I think. Um, as a as a matter of note, we should mention that it says they had fourteen releases though last year. Fourteen titles, and um, this is the reason I think that going Patterson first makes sense is because it kind of puts things in perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that $94 million was grossed off of 14 books. It just means Patterson earned $94 million in that year. And and so you know that he's pulling royalties off of everything he's ever done. And that's where probably a, the bulk of that money comes from. Um, any kind of movie rights, residuals from that, those types of things, all bake into his annual income. So it's a little deceptive to see $94 million and think he made it off of just those 14 books. Yeah, that's that's true. And yeah, the one that really surprised me is that movie rights get taken into consideration. I mean, yeah. I'd like to see a list that's just book sales and, and, you know, and royalties for old book sales. But I mean, just for what their primary body of, of work is, what their job is um, every day. So, right. Um, number two on that list with, um, I believe, two releases technically in the year that they're counting here is Stephen King with thirty nine million. Nothing to sneeze at there. Um, number three on the list, Janet. How do you say it? Iv- Ivanovich. Ivanovich. Yep. Janet Ivanovich at thirty-three million, sneaking up on Stephen King there. I'm thinking she might have, and I don't know when authors get paid for movies. Like, I guess it depends on how their contract structure. But she had a movie come out not too long ago based on her um, her Eve Plum books. Yeah, that's probably worked into there, and and that's the thing. This says for 2012, mm-hmm. but I think. I mean, it's only July. I mean, it's August now, so like, it must be like a. It's not a calendar year. It's got to be some sort of fiscal year. 
Yeah, yeah, and that comes a little clearer when um, El James is expected to make it in there next year, even though she's at something like fifty million in in from her uh, from her Fifty Shades books. So, oh yeah, we'll get we'll get to that uh, that little. I'm going to read that paragraph because that's just astonishing. Um, skipping around the list just so we don't go down the whole thing. The biggest surprise on here, to me at least, is uh, Bill O'Reilly, twenty four million. Oh, Bill O'Reilly. Not well, that I, I want to get political on the show at all, ever, but that guy's just a douchebag. <laughs> I've I've seen his show a little bit, but I, I don't I've seen it a couple times, but no idea what that you know what he does. Um so yeah, he's the only non writer, I mean non well, non fiction writer on this list and somebody whose, you know, primary job is not writing unless that, you know. I don't know. Does that twenty-four million include his stuff for TV? That might be a real misnomer. I mean, that I'm sure that yeah, that's got to have something to do with it. Because uh, I mean, he makes a ton of movie money off of Fox News. I'm sure, but he does have several books out too. So I, you know, yeah, yeah I, it, I'm sure it's everything. And then uh, Jeff Kinney, who writes those uh, those children's books at twenty five million, was very impressive. He does the I think the Skinny Kid series. Oh, the Wimpy Diary of a Wimpy, wimpy Kid. That's kid. it. Yeah. Not to imply that skinny guys are wimpy, although. Well, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid just did the. They just had the movie for that, or it's coming oh, out, or whatever. There you go. Um, Suzanne Collins, twenty million, Hunger Games, right there. Yep. Huge resurgence for that series with uh with the movie coming out and yeah. uh, obviously some money in there from the movie too. J.K. Rowling still pulling in seventeen mil, even though Harry Potter wrapped up a while back and the movies are, are all done as of last year. Mm-hmm. So good for her. She'd never, you know, four generations from now, her family will never have to think about work. Yeah. And then uh, George R. Martin with uh, with fifteen million. Some thanks there to HBO. I believe is in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't more for George R. R. Martin and Stephanie Meyer. That looks a little low too. Fourteen mil. Well, I think those books are done selling. Yeah, and they must all be from uh, from the last the last film. I'm assuming. Yep. Can I can I read the E. L. James one? Absolutely. All right. Let's see. All right, E.L. James' record-breaking earnings from the erotic Fifty Shades trilogy, which sold 20 million copies in four months, will assure her a place near the top of next year's top authors list, according to Forbes. At the height of the Fifty Shades mania, the erotic novels were estimated to be generating as much as $1.3 million per week for their author, E.L. James. And that's not counting the $5 million she received from Universal Pictures and Focus Films for the theatrical rights. Let's just let that marinate for a minute. One point three million dollars per week for the author. Twenty, what did it say? Twenty million copies in four months. Yes, that's five million copies a month. Mm-hmm. Yep, one point two five million copies a week. You can break that down a little further. It's disgusting. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about I... it. Hey, all I can say is good for E.L. James. Yeah, I mean, right on. More power to, I mean, anybody who gets something that hits, you know what? More power to them. I, I have nothing against them. It's the idiots that are reading it that I have issue with, you know. Hey, hey, these idiots read it. 
Yeah, but we're profiting off of it in a way. <laughs> we're, we're journalists. Yeah, we're we journalists. journalists. We're not journalists, yeah, are we? We're, what are, we're members are we? of the media. Oh, okay. That's cool. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says that, member of the media. <laughs> um, speaking of, of E.L. James and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, Rob uh, hits me up yesterday and says he's got another book he thinks we need to review. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I don't know how I didn't find out about this because this actually is something that's been going on since uh, middle of last month or sometime in July. A book came out called The Diamond Club. Now, if you see a cover of The Diamond Club, and I'll put put one up on the post for this episode, uh, very similar looking to Fifty Shades of Grey cover, um, written by a woman named Patricia Harkins Brattle or Bradle. Um, and essentially it's an erotic fiction that's, I guess, inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, the real story of it is there's these two guys who do a podcast called NSFW. It's a, like a, it's a webcast. So I think it's a video, like a webcast. It's a weekly comedy podcast. And, uh, they decided to see, uh, what would happen if they put together a poorly written erotic fiction book and put it on the iTunes charts to see if they could get it to uh, overtake 50 shades in the top, top sellers. And uh, it nearly did that on iTunes. Um, It got all the way into fourth place. Yeah. So what they did was, uh, and and this is kind of cool. So it kind of makes me wish that we had this idea a little bit, but in a way I'm glad that it wasn't us. So what they did was in order to get the material for the book, they basically put a call out on the internet. I think they heavily used Reddit. They mentioned Reddit a lot in their in the episode that I watched where they talked about this book. So I have to imagine that Reddit was a big um, source of, of the contributors for the, the stories and the chapters and everything. And so they crowdsourced the content, erotic content for the book, um, setting some basic guidelines of obviously the characters you write about and everything. And they um, they wanted to run through a bunch of pop culture like occupations and references and stuff so they talk about fixed fixed gear bicycles and you know you know uh, a bunch of hipster stuff uh and so yeah they pulled together a bunch of contributions from people on the internet put it together into a book and published it on itunes at 99 cents and just publicized the hell out of it so fan fiction fan fiction yeah this is like inception levels of of shit going on and um the funny thing is so they're they're being transparent that this is totally a prank but if you go to um if you go to amazon and you look up the diamond club which is available there for 99 cents as well and you read some of the reviews (laughs) uh people are taking it seriously as a book Here's one from S. Bickle. Very racy, just what I was looking for. You'll love it too. Each story's just hotter and hotter with the underlying thread tying it all together. Five stars. Uh, so the question becomes how many of those are fans of the, the video cast? Mm-hmm. Um, or how many of them are people who really liked Fifty Shades of Grey and that's why they read it and still thought this was really good? Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a one star one by mom in Florida. 
it's a hoax. They're laughing at you for liking erotica and making a boatload of money at the same time. I, I don't know that she read the book. That doesn't sound like a criticism of the actual book. Yep. That drives me nuts. I see this a lot nowadays. No, people who have, uh, you know, who have rated books because they didn't like the title or they don't know anything about it or, you know, only write a review if or, you know, give a star rating if you've actually read it or at least tried to. Like if you read like, you know, 40 pages of a book and it was horrible. Yeah, rate it one star. I don't blame you there, but at least read the goddamn book. That's true. Okay, well, here's one for you then. This is another one-star review that I like. This is from July 31st by Jax is the name of the user on Amazon. This book is utterly ridiculous, total crap. I made the mistake of buying it, buying spelled B-Y-I-N-G, buying it because of the reviews. Well, the joke was on me. To compare this book to Fifty Shades makes me laugh, and not in a good way. Holy shit, I want a refund. I feel ripped off for having paid 99 cents. I truly believe... This is the best part. (laughs) I truly believe the author has paid a bunch of junior hires, or maybe just people who are high, to write the good reviews. Seriously, people. The one star is because I have to for this review to post. (sighs) Beautiful. Yeah. So the long and short of it is, this podcast had the idea to to basically spoof what was uh, Fifty Shades, you know, like the way that Fifty Shades became uh, famous and popular and one of the best-selling books of the year. And um, I was kind of put off by the idea that they were charging 99 cents, but they had to in order to try and beat it in the paid books uh, category. And and so I was watching this podcast, and what they said was any of the money that they were getting was going to um, go toward first of all, the contributors who, who uh, put stories in the book. And then they were going to have a party at Dragon Con, which I think is like a comic book or gaming convention or something like that, which is something that they go to every year. So the money that they're getting out of it is going back to the contributors and the listeners. So that's nice. Um, and otherwise, it was just kind of a hoax and kind of funny and ridiculous that I, get, I, I wonder how many people bought that thinking it was legit and not a hoax. So here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to put together a spoof of the Diamond Club. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. No, that's just a waste of time. <laughs> no, no, no. We have we have so many other great books to, to talk about. Yeah, better books like uh, like FCJR, which uh, we talked about in the last episode a little bit. Um, that scathing expose of, of Caleb Ross and his life and everything. And those reviews just keep rolling in. Yeah, we've got eight of them posted now on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm just overwhelmed at the amount of, of emotion that people have been pouring into these reviews. So if you haven't seen them yet, you really need to go check them out. There was actually even a response uh, video that. All right, so we posted the Gordon Highland one, um, where I think he accuses Caleb of being a pedophile, which might have been over the line. So he posted a re- he posted an apology video which um, ended up just being more bad, bad stuff about Caleb Ross anyway. But I think he kind of said he doesn't think Caleb's a pedophile, which was it was nice to clarify. He said kid, he doesn't even like kids. Kids won't go near him. I think that, um, I think that what happens with uh, media, like, like us, because you said we're part of the media. We are. Uh, yeah, I think it was misinterpreted in his original thing because he kind of – said, you know, I, I thought he was a pedophile. He wasn't accusing him of being a pedophile. He may have just been reiterating what other people have said uh, about Caleb Ross. That makes sense. So, 
but you know the media blows things out of proportion all the time and you know so just yeah. wanted to, to set the record <laughs> straight that i don't think he was actually accusing him of being a pedophile yeah well in this case we blew things out of proportion by just posting exactly what he said on a video <laughs> that's us <laughs> so, so to date um some of the latest videos that were added after the initial launch of michael paul gonzalez chris deal Pela Villa. Um, who else? Dan who else Donchi. Dan Donchi is up now. Yeah. So um, get the to YouTube and uh, and check that out. I think there's a link on our book podcast page. It's on the front page. I know. So that beautiful video of Misty talking about FCJR, which so far still I think is my favorite because she says she's going to stab him in the face. Yep. It's all about the delivery, man. All about yeah. the delivery. She did a great job so. of that. I did earlier today try trading my first edition FCJR for a, a Daniel Lusky signed 50-year sword. I'm still waiting to hear back from, from the owner. <laughs> well, you're not holding the breath, though, right? No, but you never know. I mean, a Daniel Lusky, what's that worth, 500 bucks? I think I saw someone say 750 to 800 Yeah. Well, there's more of those in existence than there are FCJRs. That is, there. there's no... <laughs> You can't get more truth than that. That is as true as it comes. All right. So we talked about a hoax book. We talked about another book. Um, and here's uh, Skip Papersley to talk about some more books in book news. This is book news. I'm Skip Papersley. This week in book news, comedian Joan Rivers was removed by police from a Costco in Burbank, California, ending her protest of the chain of stores. Rivers was protesting because her book is banned from Costco for having cuss words on the back. Rivers is also quoted saying, people should have the right to have the literature they want. This is the beginning of Nazi Germany. Shortly after this, a man who looked remarkably like Adolf Hitler exited the Costco got in a time machine and went to 1930s Germany, presumably to make a rise to power and eventually start the Holocaust. In celebration of Book's 100th episode, I've searched the booked archives and created a list of 100 booked facts. Number 100. Booked is hosted by two men. Number 99. Both of these two men currently live in Illinois. To check out the remaining 98 booked facts, go to booknews.com. A website that doesn't exist. Now, the New York Times bestsellers and fictions recap. Fallen Angel by Daniel Silver falls from 1 to 5 this week. Brad Thor's Blacklist has a thundering debut at number 4. Danielle Steele proves she still isn't dead with her book Friends Forever coming in at 3. Where We Belong by Emily Griffin belongs here at number 2 this week. Finally, Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn won't go away and is number one. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. All right, once again, uh, Skip Papersley with Booked News, uh, episode number 12. This is his dozenth episode of Booked News. That's not, a, I just made that up. Um, but he has this is number 12. <laughs> and um, I just want to kind of carry on the booked facts a little bit. Uh, because the website he gave really doesn't exist, but I want to give I want to throw out one that I thought was pretty interesting right now. So we're gonna go with number ninety eight in the book facts is uh, nobody, at least that I'm aware of, knows of this, but there is a very very special Easter egg at the very end of one of our episodes of Livia saying something very funny. We've never had anybody contact us telling us that they noticed it, so. Um, it's out there, and I don't think anybody has heard it yet. So 
the diligent listener will go back and listen to 99 episodes all the way through to the end to the very last seconds to hear Livia saying something very funny or not because I really didn't think that was going to be on the show when I said it so <laughs> you can also skip doing what Rob just said either way is cool should we reward anybody who comes up with uh, the actual easter egg when they find it oh we can give them a friendly mention on the show there's one person we have to disqualify immediately. Yes, and you know who you are. You are disqualified. Yep, there you go. All right, enough of that shenanigans. What do we got next? Oh, shenanigans. Um, again, Rob was very diligent in, uh, in pulling up articles uh, and, and coming up with newsworthy stuff for us to talk about this week. And uh, the, one of the other ones he came up from was from the Huffington Post. And it's an article that I've now seen in a couple of places shared since since Rob shared it with me um, called uh, How to Save Bookstores, 28 Ideas from Existing Locations. 28 Ideas. And now if anybody's familiar with the Huffington Post, you know they do this really fucking annoying thing where when they do a list of anything or a top 10 or these are six ways that you can, you know, shave a pet or whatever, they <laughs> they always put together this slideshow where it's a picture and uh, and like a captioned picture and you have to click and click and click so that's what they did with this 29 slides and obviously the last slide isn't even one of the things it's just like their bullshit slide that says here go you know subscribe to this and all that crap so um, that's my little rant about Huffington Post get it together guys nobody cares about that just give me an infinite scroll that's got everything and make it easy to read you sons of bitches yeah so I'm, I'm scrolling through this because when I first looked at it, I didn't realize that it had the little scrolling thing. Um, so I looked at their list of eight things and were wondering where the other 28 were. <laughs> um, uh, I will say this, that the first thing you see on here is um, uh, it says, in the end, the group came up with eight foundational principles for the reborn Keplers. The new store must, and Rob, will you read the first one? Number one, be financially sustainable. Okay, here's what I think. You don't need 27 other things. If you've got that, you don't have to do anything else because that's why bookstores close. Yeah, well, if the, I mean, that's why any business closes. Yeah, see, this is why I wouldn't have written this article because it would have been exactly one way for a bookstore to stay open. Yeah, there are some interesting um, other tactics, though, that we're going to cover even though Livius is angry. <laughs> I am a little angry. <laughs> so pick one that you like. All right, so I'm going to go... Uh... I'm going to go to this stupid uh, slideshow thing. One that I like, and I don't like it as much for... I guess I kind of like it for everything, but all right. So uh, offer memberships. Membership clubs such as the Sky at, at Skylight Books uh, make people feel connected, engages them more with what you're doing, and provides some much-needed cash up front. So obviously a paid membership is what they're talking about. Uh, member discounts also encourage local shopping, not super shopping. Shipping. Super shipping. Okay, I don't know what that makes sense. But anyway, I know from experience that membership uh, uh, options do help independent bookstores. When I lived in Chicago, there was actually, uh, there's a place called Women and Children First, which is one of the few, it may be the last remaining feminist bookstore in the United States. And um, one of the major sources of income for them was membership clubs because, you know, you pay for X amount for a year. And so that's upfront money that goes right to the store and they offer in return a 10% membership discount 
which, you know, you're thinking, okay, they're going to lose that money over the course of a year if someone buys enough books. But the thing is, they're buying books in that store instead of buying them on Amazon or whatever. So it's just, it's a guarantee of continued traffic. So I really agree with this. The real seller on the website, though, on this article is that the Skylight Books, which you mentioned, their membership club is called the Friends with Benefits Club. That's kind of funny. And there's a picture of a tree with a cat sitting next to it. So we all know what that cat means. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 100. (laughs) No rules. Um, All right. So for every good idea on this list. All right. I was going to say there's one bad idea. There's probably like four not so good ideas. But um, here's a number. I don't know. Because like you said, it's kind of screwed up. It's number 15 of 29. There's only 28. So whatever. Keychains. It sounds ridiculous is the first three <laughs> words on there, and I'm going to have to agree with that part. But if people have your name on their keychain, they'll see it and touch it every day and, rem- and remember you're there. Make them free with memberships or sell them at a cost. Consider it a piece of effective guerrilla marketing. I'm really not sure if they understand what guerrilla marketing is. I'm not really sure if somebody thinks that having keychains is going to save the, uh, the indie bookstore. It won't. All right. Can I throw one out there? Absolutely. Number six of 29, which is actually 28, host unusual events. <laughs> Readings, house stayed. Why not host weird parties, music, celebrations, costume competitions, fan nights centered around books? That's what Brookline Booksmith did for the paperback launch of The Night Circus with themed food, decorations, costumes, a tarot card reader, a live band and dancers, and a fun and lively author Q&A. Readers who were there won't forget it in a hurry, and neither will we. Um, sure. I don't know if that... I mean, like, I, I wouldn't say just host unusual events. I'd say you could have a variety of events, um, including unusual ones. Dude, if, if the band that's in that picture was playing at a bookstore, I'd go. I'll agree. It looks like the there's a chubby girl in a tutu with a hose coming out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. And she might be playing a keyboard or a She's flute playing. Or... I know I I don't know what that's called, but it's it's like a piano, but you have to blow into it and oh. then hit the like piano notes. Not sure what that's called, but that's what she's playing. So, it looks like that's a very good example of an unusual event. And there's a violinist who's playing it like a guitar. Mm-hmm. Unusual. That is unusual. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'd go see that. You got another one? I do. Um, I just have to find it. Have a social media preference. Oh, God damn it. Preference or presence? Uh, <laughs> it's probably <laughs> said. It probably we said like presence. <laughs> yeah, you need to pick one. Uh, <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, all right, I can't find it on here. Any rate, um, sell ebooks. Hey, if ebooks are putting you out of business, then figure out a way to sell ebooks. It's true. It, kind of partnering with that, um, and this is kind of—I don't know if this would make me happy or sad to see this in a bookstore. But there was one that said, "Show what good value print can be." Um, there's a place called Strand Bookstore who, uh, on its on its remaindered titles, which well right there remaindered 
um, they they write down the price of what you would cost to pay for the Kindle edition versus how much you're paying for the remaindered hardcover. Well, obviously, remaindered ones are cheap. That's why they're remaindered, you know? Yeah. Like I said, this list was uh, was it's... put together uh, probably a little hokily. I mean, they were just reaching. I mean, like, yeah. There was one. Oh, the one that I thought was bullshit was um, to bundle DVDs with books. Like, if there's a, a movie that was adapted from a book, to bundle them and sell them together. Mm-hmm makes sense but like i can't tell you the last time i actually bought a dvd yeah yeah it's just it's too easy with um netflix and if you're already paying for a cable subscription or whatever to just get movies without buying dvds so here's here's what i think about this list there's some really cool ideas and there's some really dumb ideas but overall I mean if it works for you and your community to keep an indie bookstore open good you know fantastic I mean realistically to me the things that I personally would find most beneficial in an indie bookstore and I know Livia doesn't care about indie bookstores uh, (laughs) at all (laughs) the things that I think would be most beneficial for an independent bookstore are having a calendar of events that are interesting and varied, obviously, they'd have to be tailored to the community that you're in. Um, having a flexibility about the availability of your books. So just use books doesn't work. Just new books works all right. Um, you know, but you have to have a web presence. You have to have a, a way to get books that you don't have there. You know, you have to be able to fulfill the customer's needs, you know, pretty much no matter what. So calendar of events, um, you know a flexible availability of, of stock and usually some sort of social atmosphere. So a cafe or something like that. So those types of things are to me, what I think make, um, make a a bookstore, an indie bookstore really worth visiting. You know what I think? Hmm. I don't care. Wow. Okay. A couple more hold classes, (laughs) hold classes. That's, that's awesome. So like, Richard Thomas recently taught a class on, on you know, how to write horror fiction. Um, that would be awesome if there was a place to host that in an independent bookstore because it would – you've already got people who write. Most likely they read too. So if they're there for a class, they might stick around and buy some stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and the other one that I thought was interesting was, pu- you know, publish your own books for sale. So like, you know, uh, or give people the opportunity to publish books um, through your your business, those types of things make sense because it's like it's related but not exactly the same thing. But it's another way to bring more interest into your business. I will say that browsing book that an actual bookstore is so much better than browsing them online. Yep. So what did we get out of this article? Uh, I got nothing. Nothing. Pretty much nothing. Wow. Unusual events. Oh yeah, only if it's those the, the violin strumming girl and the one that's playing the blow piano thing. You know what I think? Uh, you want to introduce the next thing? This interesting thing that a bookstore uh, in, in New York is doing to try and yes. revitalize their business. Yes. So here's an interesting concept I may have mentioned moments ago. <laughs> uh, there is a company in Brooklyn. Uh, called Singularity and Company, and what they're doing is they are tracking down 
um, sci-fi authors and uh, trying to acquire the rights to publish their out-of-print sci-fi books uh, to um, publish as a free ebook online. This, I thought, was pretty awesome, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's definitely copyright holders out there who either don't realize that they are, you know, holding the copyright to something because they acquired it somehow, inherited or, you know, whatever, that are just letting these these published works languish, you know, and they're, you know, they're stuck behind copyright laws and can't get out back out into the world. So I think it's a great idea for people to hunt these down and just say, hey, we want to acquire the rights and, and get them back out into people's hands. So obviously they needed... Um obviously they needed some capital to do this with so they had a kickstarter project they were looking to get fifteen thousand dollars rob did you see what the kickstarter actually earned i didn't fifty two thousand dollars on a related note booked is starting a kickstarter project (laughs) exactly yeah no kidding so um there are obviously a lot of people Uh, i'm just kind of looking at these numbers but this was uh Looks like maybe 15, 1,600 people um, that, uh, oh, it says right at the top there, 1,400 people uh, that backed this project for a total of $52,000. So there's obviously people who are very interested in this premise. Um, and, you know, and, and the giveaways were, you know, pretty standard stuff. Early access to the downloads for life, uh, early access for a year, lending privileges in their actual physical bookstore or t shirt, you know, the kind of standard Kickstarter stuff you'd expect. 1,400 people interested in out-of-print sci-fi as ebooks is uh, is a far more astounding number than I thought a local bookstore could uh, could put together. Yeah, it, and it's a unique idea. You haven't really heard of it very much, but I think it's brilliant, and I think it's something that that's the kind of the idea that's going to catch on, I think, pretty easily. Yeah, so... Um, Again, they're going to be giving them away, so I don't know if if this is going to help drive additional business into their store. Uh, but yeah, there's a pretty interesting uh, interesting concept, and that's the whole thing because I'm sure that they're acquiring the rights to these, which means nobody else is going to be able to acquire the rights to these. It's true. Yeah. So interesting stuff, Singularity and Company. If only I read out of print sci-fi. Because like you have to imagine that. You- Let's say they acquire the rights to some sci-fi story that's so obscure no one's ever heard of it or book or whatever. They put it out for free, and there's enough of an interest that, you know, maybe a bigger company wants to acquire it to print it, you know, in in a larger scale, you know. Then they can sell the rights to that to help fund acquiring more rights, that type of thing. There you go. So, yeah, very, very cool idea. Good job, guys. Good job, Singularity and Company. Much better than the people who came up with those twenty-eight other ideas. Yeah, they're not. I, maybe they're hosting unusual events too. <laughs> they might be. If we're ever in Brooklyn, we'll have to to <laughs> pop it. What the hell would we be doing in Brooklyn? What am I even talking about? I I don't know, but I hope they have keychains. <laughs> <laughs> That's if this doesn't keep their bookstore open. That that was the Kickstarter <laughs> plan too. Was keychains. <laughs> Wait, was so. that one of the options on Kickstarter? You get a keychain? No, no. Uh, t-shirts. See, t-shirts. they didn't read this article. Yeah. People love t-shirts. Everyone knows that. That's true. Yeah. Like, right. while, while we're on the sci-fi slash fantasy um, portion of our 100th episode, I do want to mention that although we did not collectively read something this week, I still managed to do a little bit of reading. 
Um, he always rubs yeah. that in when he reads something and I don't. I read two somethings this week. I read the Sandman Slim novella, that is, whose name eludes me, um, but Richard Cadry's latest, which was awesome, as I mentioned before on this show. If you're not reading Sandman Slim, you are totally missing out. Um, but this is a little more uh, relation. You know, we say on these shows, like, we're going to keep an eye out on such and such a person. Um, not that long ago, we were talking about Chris Lewis Carter and his story Kill Screen that was in the Solar Side um, anthology. Uh, so he has the beginnings of a, uh, young adult series. Um, as you may know, not really my thing, the, the young adult, um, camp. Um, but, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised. So it's called Camp Myth. It's, uh, it's the first issue is called Phoenix Watching. Um, I read it on my, on my reader and he has created a, a pretty interesting world around, uh, <laughs> around a concept of a summer camp for magical beings. Did you read it on Liv's lunches? I did, actually. I did. Brilliant. And, and, and aside from Liv's lunches, you when we had uh, S.G. Brown on, and we were talking about shooting monkeys in a barrel. Mm-hmm. Remember he mentioned uh, that the zombie, zombie gigolo? Yeah. Not a lunch-worthy book. I actually had to tweet <laughs> him about that, and his response was that he warned me. So, <laughs> nice. Back to more pleasant lunchtime reading. Um, uh, Chris Lewis Carter, as I mentioned, who won the Nova Parade anthology, in our opinion here on the show, with Kill Screen, goes a completely different direction with uh, with Camp Myth. So I'm gonna read you a little bit of the the synopsis because I'm sure it will do it much more justice than uh, than I would. Welcome to Camp Myth, the only summer camp built exclusively for young mythological creatures. Forget canoe rides and not tying lessons. These kids are more likely to fish for a kraken or learn the proper way to train a chimera. Join Felix, a rebellious fae forced to attend camp as punishment for his obsession with humans. Argy, the first and only nerdy cyclops, and Moxie, a kitsune who would rather smart mouth than shapeshift. Can these three mythic outcasts survive long enough to earn a merit badge for Phoenix watching, or will they end up as just another campfire story? Yeah, young adult isn't my thing, but I just tore right through this. The, the print length's like 118 pages, but it certainly doesn't read like uh, it, it doesn't read like 118 pages. It reads much, much quicker than that. So, um, if you are, I'm gonna just gonna take a stab here because I haven't read Harry Potter. But if you're a Harry Potter fan, I suggest you go spend a uh, measly two ninety nine and pick up Camp Myth Phoenix watching. It's a uh, it's pretty good stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, to reading another installment. Very cool. Um, that was also funded by a Kickstarter project, by the way. Did he offer keychains? Um, I don't. You know what? I don't know. These guys got to get on with the keychains. Keychains are blowing we- up. We need <laughs> <laughs> chains are blowing up. Listen, we need a Kickstarter, and, and here's why we need a Kickstarter. Uh, I'm gonna let me open up this Chris Lewis Carter Kickstarter page here. So he needed four thousand dollars and got sixty one fifty. So apparently, everyone who's looking for Kickstarter money gets more than they needed. So we really need to get on the Kickstarter bandwagon. Oh, and I wanted to mention, too, while I was poking around on chrislewiscarter.com, there's a little plug for his website there, I didn't realize the kill screen was on uh, was on Pseudopod. Are you familiar with Pseudopod, Rob? I have no idea what Pseudopod is. Um, I, I guess you'd call it a podcast. I've listened to, to a few things on there o- over the years. They've been around for a really long time. Um, 
authors submit works of fiction and then somebody else reads them. So they're oh, like right. audiobooks for short stories. Yeah, yeah, like Drabblecast. I think I mentioned yes. Drabblecast on another yes. episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. I listened to something on Drabblecast, very similar. So I got to tell you, I'm I'm looking for it. I haven't had a chance yet, but I want to download um, Kill Screen off there and listen to it. Uh, apparently, it comes complete with 8-bit sound effects. Oh, nice. Like That's that awesome. Story. Yeah, don't talk about podcasts too much because we're bitterly jealous about the idea of people talking about books on different podcasts. But Drabblecast, I've listened to a handful of, and I think they're fantastic. And um, sounds like Pseudopod's kind of in the same arena. Yeah, I think so. Like cool. I said, from I've only listened to a little bit on both, but I would say, yeah, I could see mistaking one for the other, sadly. Very cool. Yeah, all right. So check out Chris Lewis Carter. Re- uh, uh, fuck. Yeah, all right. So check out Chris Lewis Carter's Camp Myth and go back and grab uh, Solar Side's uh, Nova Parade Anthology and check out kill screen to see how righteously different those two stories can be yep so i think that about wraps it up right we cover everything we need to cover no we promise these good people a big announcement you know nobody listens the last 15 minutes of this show anyway they're gonna have to because this is a big announcement it's like capital letters big capital b-i-g yeah I felt like a rapper there for a second. Not sure why exactly. <laughs> you didn't sound like a rapper. All right. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead? I- I'm feeling very generous tonight. So do you want to kind of breach? You breach are this topic? feeling very generous. So months ago, and by months I mean like two, two months ago we were talking about this hundredth episode and what we wanted to do. And we want to do something really, really big, and. Uh, <laughs> We couldn't come up with anything. So, so, so we, we had the idea of it's been 100 episodes. We've had how many guests now, Rob? 60. There's, there, see, and, and everybody thought there was no reason I brought this up earlier. Full circle, baby. We've had about 60 guests on this show um, with more to come in the very near future. And uh, it's just been a lot of talent that we've had on the show. And all that talent is, uh, is in writing. So we thought it would be a, a fun idea to see if we can collect some stories from those uh, talented writers and put them together in our own anthology. That's right. We're going to make a book, bitches. That's right. The booked book. The booked book. So details are sketchy. We did decide that um, essentially we want to throw together a collection of what we would consider five-star stories from people that we've had on the, on the episodes so far. Um, like Livia said approximately 60 authors or 120 nipples, however you usually count people. And um, we, I mean, we haven't seen them all. So like maybe they're missing one or they got a secret weird third one or something like in mall rats. I'm um, so happy. No one listens to the last 15 yeah, minutes of this show. <laughs> I'm tainting the hell out of our anthology announcement. Uh, yeah. So we're going to open submissions up to people who have been a guest on our show and uh, put together some of the best stories from the best people we've had on on our podcast. Yep. So guests, as Rob mentioned earlier, as he was kind of starting to tease this a little bit, um, we've covered a couple of live readings. Uh, those readers will be eligible. And basically anybody whose voice has appeared on the show will be eligible. That's right. So <laughs> not counting, we don't count um, the call-ins where someone faked a James Patterson voice or... Uh, Caleb Ross is uh, <laughs> someone saying John Grisham in a Skip Papersley aneurysm voice. 
No, but that does include little-known guest Dan Hines That's from right. way back when when we had David James Keaton on. Unknown guest Dan Hines. <laughs> Unknown guest Dan Hines. Um, but, yeah, so uh, if you have been on this show, uh, be prepared in the near future to receive an email from us um, with more details. If you are a fan of the show, be prepared to uh, to pick up a copy of our anthology probably early 2013. Yep. We're going to be uh, really, really careful to put out a really high-quality product. So um, I think as a book review podcast, that bar is set pretty high. I mean, we, we can't just throw together junk. We're going to be very careful to put together a really quality piece. Oh, and I'm sure you'll be hearing about this damn thing ad nauseum over the next however many episodes it is until it's out. That's right. Sold out, out of print. Out of so. print like FCJR. <laughs> That's right. So, um, uh, you know, kind of a big thank you to all the people that helped us get to 100 episodes, both from the guest standpoint, um, you know, and then uh, from the listeners, you know, the, the people who uh, who download the show and listen to it once a week or once every other week or whenever you get around to it. You guys are uh, you guys are who we're doing this for both the show and the anthology. So thank you. And um, it's funny that leading up to us being able to announce this, we decided about it like not to like Livia said a couple months ago that we were going to think about doing an anthology and it led to the part where we like hit the moment where we had to decide are we going to or are we just going to kind of flirt with the idea um but in that time since we kind of had the idea to do it I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about the podcast that are like why don't you guys put out a book and I've had to kind of bite my tongue <laughs> because like thinking in the back of my head well I think we're going to yeah, total super super secret stuff that we were uh, dealing with there. I think we're all done with our secrets now, right? Like everything's just out in the open now. Really? I think so. Yeah. Well, no, we have one new one that I just came up with, like recently, or we just came up with. I always say I, but it's because usually I talk about myself to people. But yeah, there's one new one that we just came up with. That's uh, this is this one is so secret. I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> Um, it just uh, occurred to me what it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm all over it. So, uh, uh, recapping really quick booked is making an anthology, a collection of stories put together, uh, from authors who have appeared on our show. Uh, we're looking at early 2013, hopefully as the target. And, um, yeah, we're very, very excited about it. And it's going to be, it's a labor of love. We've really enjoyed having all those people on, and we want to see if we can get them together and to make something special out of it. I don't remember last time I was this excited about something, to be quite honest. Oh, Rick Springfield hasn't been in town in a while then, huh? It's been four years. Oh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Very good. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's a good thing we have this anthology to keep your mind off that sad news. That is very true. Um, before we um, let people go, can I send out another little shout-out? Yeah. Manarchy Magazine, Book's Soulmate, um, just published uh, the inaugural article in a new series that I'm writing over there called uh, Books for Dudes Who Don't Read. So get over there, check them out, hit their Facebook page, click the like button, log on to your sister's um, laptop, hit the like button from there too. I got to say, Manarchy, you know, we've been pushing it a little bit here and there because we just like what's going on over there. Um, Livius has a column that's going to be ongoing and I'm kind of a contributor over there. I've, I've got a couple things that, um, I've submitted that I just have to wait and see when they're coming up. But, uh, 
really liking what's going on over there. And uh, um, Richard Thomas recently had an article up just about, and this is the nice thing. We know a lot of authors, and um, this is where a lot of people that we talk about on the show are putting up stuff that's not stories, which is really cool. So uh, Nick Corpon has an ongoing column about tattoos. Richard mm-hmm. Richard Thomas is writing about just stuff in his life that he thinks is interesting. So it's it's a way for, uh, I, I mean, realistically, people who listen to the show and have heard these names can see all these people in a different light. So I think it's kind of cool. Manarchy's really kind of kicking ass, I think. Can I tell you what one of the coolest things about Manarchy was? Hmm. They dedicated a whole article to you and your goddamn hat. <laughs> and I didn't even bring that up, so... Uh, take that, Mlaz. Um, yeah, Misty Bennett uh, did an interview with me talking about my iconic hat and how I'm always wearing a hat and everything. So that was nice, too. So, very cool stuff. Please take a minute, go like their page, follow them on Twitter, do whatever you got to do. There's going to be a lot of great content coming up there, too. Yep, absolutely. You want to tell the folks what we're reading uh, next week? We're going back to back to our roots, reviewing books. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about our next um, our next book because uh, it was one of the – all right, so going all the way back, hitting rewind a little bit and going back to uh, July of last year, we um, hit upon Warmed and Bound and we, we invited a bunch of authors to come on to talk to us about, you know, the stories they had in there and everything. And we ended up with 17 authors just by crazy chance um, and we had to turn some away. And one of the people that responded to us that was interested in coming on – that um, kind of hit us after we hit our, our breaking point was Paul Tremblay. So Paul Tremblay wasn't warmed and bound and he was willing to come on and we just couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle all the authors that we were getting responses from. So we had to say no, but we said no in a way that meant, Hey, please let's get together as quickly as possible after this. And so long story short, um, we've been keeping in contact and he just had a book actually went, uh, is it out or is it coming out soon? It'll be out right around the time we release an episode. Uh, it's uh, the August 15th, I think. Cool. So it's coming out right around the corner called uh, Swallowing a Donkey's Eye. And um, it it's, sounds pretty interesting. It's about this kind of dystopian um, society. And there's it seems pr- pretty and like it sounds like a big story, like Rail C kind of big story. But I'm hoping way, way, way better than, than Rail C. I don't think that'll be that tough a hurdle to climb for Mr. <laughs> Tremblay. I actually just saw someone post on Facebook like minutes before we started recording this um, that they just finished it and um, what the kind of emotions they were going through and everything. And I don't want to spoil anything, but um, that was encouraging to see their response to it. And Paul responded and said, this made my day or something like that. So that kind of made me a little more excited about diving into it, too. You know what made my day today? What? Sean Ferguson's going to guest host with us next week. Oh, about swallowing a donkey's eye. He's going to join us for that. Yep. So I was very excited about that. Can I just say that the cover for the book is just awesome looking? It is pretty awesome looking, isn't it? I'm looking at it right now. I'm blowing it up, though. One of the things that we, we fail to do on a regular basis is talk about book covers and this is a very eye-catching eye. Get it? See what I did there? Eye-catching uh, uh, book cover. Very um, in-your-face, propaganda-ish kind of looking with interesting um, typeface and stuff like that. A giant, weird-looking donkey. So um, I really dig this cover. 
I'm going to be cracking this book open sometime tomorrow. Looking very forward to it. Looking very forward to it. Mm-hmm. Is that not? Is that not right? I don't even know if that was an actual sentence. Are you very much looking forward to it? That too. Okay. Do we have anything else? I thought there was something else I wanted to say, and I don't remember what it is. That might have to wait for one oh one. Yeah, I think we. But I think we've really covered all the bases. <sighs> Happy anniversary, sir. Happy anniversary to you too. Keep an eye out for your uh, for your Diamond Club. <laughs> God, that was brilliant. That probably just you won the show tonight. Yeah, I, I thought I was clever. You just, just hands down, you're destroying you, it tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're gonna be bickering off off camera. Off, oh, I'm sure. Moments from now. Yeah. Uh, final thanks to everybody for 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 actually listening to this for a hundred episodes for almost a year and a half, and everybody that's been on the show who's graced us with their time and their presence and their knowledge and being more entertaining than we are, who led to us uh, being able to decide to put an anthology together. Just a big thanks to everybody. I'm getting all weepy over here. Hey guys, we wouldn't do it if you weren't around for it. That's right. We love you. Oh, Rob, I love you. I love you. It's evidenced by the uh, picture from LA where, uh, I'm just standing with a solo, like one of those red solo cups in my hand, and Livius is just smashing his face into my cheek, and he's got a. It's obviously we've been drinking. Yeah, red solo cups are a sign of either the upcoming apocalypse or that we're drunk. Yep, or both. We're drunk on the upcoming apocalypse. That's correct. So, all right. Until next time, I'm Livius Nedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Yeah.